you know how much I uh, I made for the first song I ghost produced? I was about 15, 16 years old. 100 bucks? No. Eight dollars. Eight? <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> what the fuck happened? Like... It's going down. You can feel it in the crowd. Type of thing you want to be around. Where I live, I have two neighbors, one on each side. One is the best neighbor in the world, bar none. And you're never going to guess, like I've determined the criteria for what makes the best neighbor. You're never going to guess it. And the other one is the worst neighbor in the world. And so this cracks me up. I've got one in one. So let me tell you about shout out to Linda, Linda, my girl, best neighbor in the world. You want to take your wildest guess at what qualifies the best neighbor in the world? They actually talk to you. That's so weak. I knew you would throw some weak shit like that <laughs> um, That's not so bad, though. Linda is a chain smoker. She smokes like a chimney. She lights up. Now, I, I like we have been following Linda's patterns for, you know, God knows how long, years. You got like a logbook, like Excel spreadsheet and stuff, just... Dude, in our heads... We have this big, big window in the living room that faces Linda's house. And my kids will literally like sit there with their chins on it. Like, wait, oh, there's Ken. Ken's <laughs> going to the car. Oh, Linda came out. Anyways, so she lights up her first SIG before 7 a.m., between 6 and 7 a.m. And she's a gamer. So she's finishing her SIGs after midnight. And mm. she smokes every 30 to 60 minutes. <laughs> why, why is this the best neighbor in the world? She is literally a 24-7 free security guard. She is like mm. a fucking, she's like a Roman sentry with like the metal hat and the, the spear <laughs> standing there. And she texts me. She'll be like, uh, hey, you're, the back door of your car's open. Did you know? And I'm like, I sure didn't, Linda. God bless you, woman. She texts <laughs> us like when somebody's in our driveway, like when we're out of town, she keeps an eye on the place. So fucking best neighbor ever. I'll say one more thing about her. She's so real. I like my kids to be around people that aren't like super young, basically like yeah. us. I don't want my kids around people like us. Like Linda yeah. is a pagan. Her job is that she cleans dentist offices. She right. is super foul mouthed. She smokes a ton, et cetera, et cetera. Um, she's got a son who became a daughter. All this. I'm like, <laughs> this is the fucking real world. I love you, Linda. <laughs> Props to Linda. Linda. If she's listening to this, I mean, if I was Linda, I would be flattered by what you said. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yesterday, no, Wednesday, it's Friday today, I was working on this video idea and the topic was solitude. Um, and I spent about 30, 45 minutes starting to work on this. And I was like, you know what? I need to go and experience some solitude. And so, I, th I thought you were going to be like, you know, I'm working on this solitude video and I realized solitude sucks, man. Well, sometimes it does. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm just going to go on a hike today. Nice. Uh, and so I live about an hour, hour and a half from the mountains. So I drove out there and I was like, I'm just going to do a slow walk. I'll get some footage on my phone for YouTube. So I was like doing the whole, you know, walk, I like set the phone up on the tripod, walk, and then have to walk back and get it. Like it was so kind of cringe. I was just, so yeah, I was hoping like no one would come around the corner. Yeah. 
as I was turning around. Um, anyway, so walk up to this point. It takes me like an hour and a half. Pretty chill walk. Feeling good. Not even in zone two. You know, I'm just, I'm chilling. Get to the top. And as I'm walking to the top of this, I'm not even going to call it a summit. It's just like a lookout. Like it's not that high up. Uh, I see this group of about five, I would say they're around 70 years old coming the other way. I say, hi, um, keep walking, get to the top, spend about 10 minutes at the top, just eating some food, chilling, taking in the view. And then as I'm walking back down, I have this thought of like just pure competitiveness. It's like, I need to pass that group of old people. I've been up here for 10 minutes. They're walking the other way. I need to pass him. I just need to do it. I don't know what it was. So my, my like peaceful solitude centric hike just turns into, <laughs> into like an all out. I'm like, I'm, I'm running basically in these heavy hunting hiking boots. I'm pinning it. Uh, and within about 20, 25 minutes, I find this group and they've stopped. So I, like, I didn't even need to be going that fast. They were taking a break. Did you, did you happen to think like what's going to happen when you do pass them? Like, did you think that you would be like, yeah, like you finished a marathon? There's like, there's no, <laughs> there's no pot of gold at the end of that rainbow. No, no, no. It just turned into another, as soon as I passed him, I was like, all right, now what? And I looked at my watch. I think I was at about two hours, 10 minutes. And I was like, all right, I, I need to finish this in under two hours, 40 minutes. So now it became a competition against myself. Um, that was the, just, the, the, the two know. best, the best part of this story is when you were like, when you dropped the, the flex, when you were like, it wasn't even zone two. That's, that's the baller flex. I'm going to start using well, that. Like, oh yeah, I was, out, I was out running. I, oh, don't worry. Bro. Yeah, it wasn't even zone two. Okay. It's not like that. I, um, at the end, I'll wrap this up, but at the end, when I was coming down about five minutes to go, uh, there's these two older women coming up the other way and they're like, uh, did you, do you like see a group of people? I was like, yeah, about your age. And, uh, they're like, Oh, what do you mean? Young people? I was like, yeah, bit of a joke. And then, um, I was like, yeah, uh, I passed him like 20 minutes ago. I'm going pretty quick. And they're like, mm, they probably slowed down for you. Like bit of banter back and forth. Uh, but it turns out they'd been hiking since like six or seven in the morning from this other location. So actually they did what, they did something way more impressive than I did. Yeah. Even more reasons why you didn't need to like sprint down a mountain to pass a group of seven year olds. But you know what, know. dude, I'm proud of you for being your authentic self. <laughs> and man. I will say I've been thinking about this solitude thing a lot because mm. I'm completely self-employed. I have some employees and some, you know, contractors, yada, yada, but I'm completely self-employed. Dude, is this, I, a, is this a segue? Yeah, it is. Why, why'd you fucking... Man, this is so damn good. Carry on. Sorry. Yeah, bro. bro what did I say? No <laughs> meta commentary. All right, we're going to get to, we're, we're going to get to meta commentary later. Um, yeah, that was pretty good, man. That was that pretty was good. That was so good. I, I really don't want to interrupt it, but I was like, I just had to point it out. No, now I don't even know what I was talking about. No, um, but, but then, so you're effectively self-employed like you yeah and you've mm. got an employer too or whatever but you your working time is like completely by yourself 
we've sure. got another friend, Blake Lagrange. God bless him. We'll talk about him on the pod sometime. He's now embarked on like a total solo kind of preneur moment in his career. And we probably know like 10, 15, 20 other people who are quote solopreneurs. And so, but, but here's the, the point, every single one of them, you and me included and Blake and all of our friends who are solopreneurs, we all bitch about it. Right. Yeah. We're all sort of like, man, yeah. Flexibility is good. I love being in control of my fate, but being a solopreneur sucks, man. Right. But all of our friends, all of our family, our parents, et cetera, anyone we know with a real job, they hate us. They're like, you fucking mm. self-employed. You guys don't work. My my family thinks that I like just print money somehow. Like they're, they're like, we don't know where the money mm. comes from. And I'm like, well, I could tell you, but you don't listen. Um, you ever get that? Like when you're talking to people you don't know, like you meet for the first time, you kind of explain it. Yeah. Uh, I get the impression that a lot of people just assume I'm like unemployed and not making anything happen. And I just like make up some bullshit and they're like, ah, oh, okay. Oh, interesting. How's that working out for you? You know, it's like, I, interesting. I just, yeah. I get that. I wonder, but I wonder you, you run a... like a proper business. I'm just doing YouTube at the moment. So it's like, a, it's a bit different. Yeah, that's true. But you own EDM prod. I mean, you own. A yeah. Fully but as soon as I mention like, business. as soon as I mention like music courses, people I think get a lot of people are just like, whatever. Yeah. So I, my anyway. flex now is when somebody asks me what I do, which honestly happens like three times a week or something, I say that I own a logistics business and I own a clothing business That's because see, I, see, see, it's a flex because owning the business implies something a little bit different. It's obvious that mm. I founded it, whatever. And I offer them two options, logistics or clothing, which sounds more interesting to you, right? Yeah, it's sort of, you can yeah. choose your own adventure. Um, but my big question is, is being a solopreneur like a good thing or not? We are solopreneurs. We bitch and complain about lots of aspects of it. We're lonely a lot of the times, um, yet it is our choice in life. And I guess there's kind of like an interesting backstory here. I went down a bit of a rabbit hole. You know, the term solopreneur has literally been around for like 20 years. This, this whole hmm. world, um, and it, it, it dates back to like, first we all talked about working from home. That was the big thing. It was in the New York times. Oh my God, there's going to be a revolution. Everyone's going to work from home, right? the end of jobs and all this. Well, that morphed into solopreneurship. I, I don't exactly know why. I guess because one implies working for a company and one impli uh, implies working for yourself. But you know what is the main driver of the work from home solopreneurship pipeline? Like what is like the macro force that pushes people to be like, you know what? I fucking quit this job. I'm gonna pitch my own tent. I, I feel like my answer is going to be wrong. Um, good, good. I'm counting. On <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I, I could say the commute or like, just, just not like, like not enjoying being told what to do, which is me. Bro, it's, it's economic crisis. So this makes the whole okay, thing a little fine. more interesting to me. So 
the global financial crisis was like 2007 to 2009. And I finished college at that time. I graduated in 2008. So my first concept of like, oh, I finished college and I need a job or something. I need to work, like whatever that means, took place smack in the middle of like this massive crisis. So I didn't really appreciate the context that time. But obviously with COVID having just happened, that's super fresh in our mind. And it had the same effect. So the financial crisis and COVID both basically drove an ass load of people to their homes and people mm. figured out like, oh, I can work from home. I can make this work. I can kind of do what I was doing that I got let go from, but do it on a contract basis. So it's kind of cool to me that these historical, like kind of financial or social crises create this like groundswell of self-employed, I don't know, kind of freedom-ish oriented um people like us that's, yeah that's and i do think the financial crisis had something to do with that for me because when mm -hmm. i graduated from college i was doing the thing where you just you know send 100 emails a day of your cover letters and your resumes to literally any company literally banks agencies yeah. anything i could think of and i mean it was a 100 percent we are not hiring like across mm -hmm. the board so I actually did. I started doing social media consulting in like 2008. I was right, like, yeah, frick yeah. it. I, I remember I went door to door, literally like door to door to architecture firms because I had a bit of an interest in architecture. And I was like, hey, I will run your social media. And because you don't even know what social media is. This was 2008. I was like, you've never heard of Twitter. Mm. I'll set that all up for your architecture firm. <laughs> it's actually kind of mm. a good hustle um, I like back that. in North Carolina. So anyways, what's your current vibe or view on solopreneurship um, for yourself or just in the world? Man, I, I think about this a lot. Like I would say almost a daily basis. Uh, and I'm so torn because on one hand, like all I've ever really done is a solopreneur thing. Like EDM prod, Max had a team of five people. Yeah. Um, some of them part-time. So it's like, it's not big business. And most of the time it's just a couple of people. And now it's just me. Um, and it's like, a it's a good life. Like it's comfortable. Um, I don't think I particularly like managing people. And I've also heard from people who have like built big businesses and then done smaller things or gone like the solo, solo route. They're like, oh, it's so much better. I'll never build mm -hmm. a big business again. So I'm like, huh, interesting. Is it stupid of me to like tr want that? Um, only to end up in the same position I am now. But then I hear other people, like there's this guy on Twitter, man, I can't remember his name. He, he oh, Michael Girdley? He has like yeah, a- Yeah, Gridley or Girdley. Yeah, I know Gridley, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He posted this tweet. I'm pretty sure it was him. He posted a tweet. He's like, the reason I want to like hire people and build big businesses is because I want to create jobs and like have an impact. And I'm like, there's something about that too. Um, that this kind of less hmm. selfish. Yeah. Ah, it's not even I, that, you know what I mean? It's just like, we are humans and we're supposed to be social and work together and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. And I feel like that's missing for me a little bit. That's, that's the thing that I'm missing. So my version personally of, of that girdly 
tweet is I want to build a bigger business because I want to have friends and I'm dead ass serious. Like yeah. I want to build friendships and relationships with all sorts of people doing all sorts of things. I don't ever, I actually don't want to build a big, big business. Like I don't want to build a company with like hundreds and hundreds of employees, zero, zero. Interest. What do you think your, what do you think your sweet spot is? I would think that my sweet spot, like if I'm just brainstorming, like if I had a business with a team of like 10 people mm. and I'm talking, um, more like domestic people, like with, yeah, an, yeah, yeah. with somewhat of an office presence, like any yeah. business I ever work on, there's going to be an ass load of people in the Philippines working on it. Cause I have so much sure. good stuff to say yeah, about yeah. that. But I would think like 10 people, like the whole kind of the band of brothers thing, you know, like a pirate ship. Mm. I just want a pirate ship, mm. dude. Um, yeah, that I could captain or help lead. Um, but then see, there's a lot of solopreneurs who are committed to that path. Then there's mm. a lot who are sort of stuck on it, who want to get off of it. Like kind of like maybe you yeah. and me, like we would yeah. probably rather have five, 10, 15, 20, whatever employees building a slightly bigger business. And then there's of course people just like with bigger business companies, but, um, there's some awesome examples of solopreneurs that want to be a solopreneur. One of which, and I know, you know, this guy, he's the king of solopreneurship and it's Peter levels. You know, all everyone knows levels, this right? guy. Everybody everyone knows, knows Peter, Peter levels. levels. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Peter levels. Killer. The cool thing about Peter Levels, fucking everything is cool about him, but he uh, he's Dutch and he went to business school for like many years and he finished business school like 11 or 12 years ago and he's a completely self-taught software developer. He just mm. figured out how to build websites and then build apps and build mobile apps and just on his own, he has built over 70 projects completely by himself only four or five of them you could say have worked so his success rate is like five percent of, of stuff mm. that he's built over the last like 12 13 years but he makes three million dollars a year himself from those businesses now there must be some overhead obviously tech and some contractors and stuff but um the thing about peter like i i could never switch places with him because he, he, you can't contact him. Mm. DMs are all closed. He doesn't do interviews. He doesn't want to hire people. He doesn't want to, he wants to be on his completely on his own. He doesn't want to plant roots. I don't know about the family. I, I don't know if he has kids or what, but, um, I, yeah, I'm just like, I, I don't um, want to do that. I, I love him. I think it's awesome, but I'm, I'm the same with you. Like I would not want to trade places. And I remember years ago, must've been 20, 2016 2017 2016 um i was part of like that there's like a nomad list slack group that you yeah. pay to get access mm -hmm. to and i was in europe at the time doing like my first overseas trip so i call myself a digital nomad which is super cringe yeah. and i hate that nomad term. nomad list is one of peter level's more yeah. successful yeah, yeah. projects yeah thanks for the context um anyway in the Slack group, he was talking about how like, uh, yeah, like you don't need to, I I'm pretty sure, like, don't quote me on this. Hope he's not listening. Uh, he's like, you don't like video calls, video calls are basically the same as like talking in person. 
So you don't need <laughs> to be around. <laughs> that's like that's if you've got a girl, if you've got a girlfriend or like a partner, you don't need to like be with them. You can just video call. And I remember greeting that and going like, "What is up with this guy? Like, yeah, what is he so, saying?" Another little thing, like most people wouldn't even notice this, but if you look at Peter Level's Twitter profile, his profile pic is him hunched up, like with his head oh, bent yeah. down on a couch, plugging away on a laptop. Yeah, yeah. And that's really representative of his life and that's what he wants. And like, you know, the thing is like what I'm doing right now, he might be way more profitable on his 3 million a year, but I'm like really close. Actually, yeah, I'm probably like right now approaching 3 million in top line mm. annually, right. completely on my own with one full-time person and one part-time person. And I work like three or four hours a week. So here's where like, I can't knock the solopreneurship thing, but mm. there's no denying that like, why, why am I even doing this podcast? Like, why am I working on email newsletters? It's like, yeah. I'm trying to build something that is a little bit more like engaged with other people, with the world. Exactly. Exactly. Do you have any ideas? And I've got a few. Like if you were going to start a new solopreneurship venture, like if you actually wanted to be like, hey, I'm one guy, I just quit my job and I want to like do this thing. Do you have any like uh, approaches or ideas that you would do? Man, uh, on the spot, I'm struggling to think of one. But if I open up my notes, I've got quite a few. I think in terms of solopreneurship, like just me, I would just capitalize on like, what i'm good at which is writing 100%. synthesizing so probably a newsletter of sorts maybe actually there's this one guy um maybe we can talk about him in another episode but he he's like five newsletters in marketing like mm -hmm. one one's about d2c one's about like ugc or something like that um and he makes 800k a year nice. he's just one dude living in austin and he just writes like every day i'm like i could do that i could just yeah. like pick a niche and then like set up a few newsletters and just crush content. Um, yeah. I'll do that. So content is one. I think content is one of the harder ones. The playbook for solopreneurship, like if you want to put it on easy mode, step one is definitely services. It's just, yeah. oh, hey, whatever I did for this company for the last two years, I quit that company and I'll go do it part-time for six different ones, you know, selling yeah. hours. I would say, and that's where the, like, when I think about the work from home solopreneur pipeline, it starts with like freelancing. God bless the freelancers out there. Um, that's, it's, it's such a drag and a grind. Oh man. That's how yeah. I started. That's how I started. You know, so same here, man. I used to produce, uh, ghost produce songs. I was thinking about this the other day when I was driving. Oh, I was cool. like, I can't believe I did this. No, no, but do you know how much I uh, I made for the first song I ghost produced? I was about 15, 16 years old. 100 bucks? No. Eight dollars. Eight? <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> what the fuck happened? Like, did, you, did you do the like, thing? Did you do the uh, pay what you want? It's like, look, man, I'll do it. And then you just no, pay no, 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 no. This guy was like, no, it's, it's worse than that. I was uh, I was young and I was like, it was on Upwork, and this guy was like, uh, he needed a song made, and his budget was $8. And I'm like, hey, I like producing music. I can get paid for it. It was like a dollar an hour, I think it worked out to. Yeah, God. Um, so if you So there's the services angle. And then from the content perspective, I would say 
it's easier to get started with more of like a B2B content type thing, yeah. like a targeted thing. So for example, you know, marketing examples and, and the dude, the kid yes. Harry who runs that. So there's kid Harry, I think he's English and young dude when he started and he bought marketingexamples.com and he literally just started posting great examples of marketing from companies mm. like, oh, here's a good ad from Casper. Oh, here's a great email I got from whatever, Woolworths, whatever it was. And he just started building this catalog. And then he goes to marketers on Twitter and it's like, hey, do you want three amazing marketing examples in your inbox every Monday? And just totally blew up. And I think that wedge is key. And another one yeah. is, um, I got this one from My First Million. They did a thing called the Tiny Desk Awards, which is where they identified like 10 or 15 solopreneur businesses that are making at least a million or more a year. One of them is called Cyber Leads. Horrible name. But I literally thought about doing this for years. All they do is scrape Crunchbase to get a list of every startup that just raised money. And then they make that available to like agencies or, you know, HR or whatever, not HR, but like people looking for jobs to say, hey, here's the here's 15 leads who have $15 million in their bank account starting last week. And they're about to go on a hiring spree. And that's so stupidly easy to do stuff like that. So I think more content like on that front for solo yeah. viewers. Yeah, I like that. There's Dude, a lot I, of, um... I, mm -hmm. Go ahead. I looked at something pretty interesting too. Um, there was this survey that I saw and it's about why and why, like it's, it's like why people, why more people don't take this entrepreneurial like self-employed route. This actually blew my mind. I don't even know what to make of it, but I think it taps into some like crazy aspect of human psychology. Okay. So the survey, they interviewed both self-employed people and people who work for companies. And they asked them the same question. And one of the questions was, what do you think is the most risky part of this solopreneurship thing? So it turns out, solopreneurs and people who work at companies have the same three answers for why it's risky, which that was kind of interesting. They both mm. top three and it's exactly what you think. It's like uh, financial stability, like security and uh, benefits, like big company benefits. But then there's a fourth one that 50% of the corporate people said is a risk of solopreneurship and literally zero self-employed people cited it as a risk. So that is incredible. And so what it was is you have to invest your own money to get started. Hmm. And how about a head scratch on that one? You're probably thinking the same thing I thought. That is completely and literally incorrect. Like it is, uh, it, yeah. Incorrect. No, that's something I've never understood. Is in fact, there's been times where I've been like coming up with business ideas, like working on a business, especially when I was younger, where I was like, should I be putting more money into this? And I could never figure out a good reason yeah. why. Like, it's just like I don't need to. Yeah, I mean, if you have a laptop <laughs> or even a damn desktop yeah. at home, like that is literally all you need to. Mm sell your services, print up an invoice and get five clients. Um, not that like that takes some work, but, but it doesn't take money. So, no, but people, people think people who haven't 
run a business before founded one or anything like that they just have this they just think business equals investment yeah like to, but, to get it off the ground but that's so wrong like literally well, it's, it's wrong yeah it's wrong now but if you go back yeah oh, 30 yeah. years that's a good point i mean yeah so it's, that's a good it's point just a hangover from that that age yeah. I, what i would say to people that are like happily employed at a big company is keep rocking it go mm. for it like I, I never these days i don't push people toward entrepreneurship unless nah, they unless they want it right but i would say if you work for a big company and you think that it takes a lot of money just to start a side hustle or like kind of a solopreneurship enterprise that is very wrong like weirdly yeah. weirdly wrong 100 percent. all right man let's um let's move on to podcasting i really want to talk about this okay where do you want to start i mean you have done a bunch of research over the past week yeah or two um you've delved deep into this and i haven't so let's start like what have you why first of all did you dive deep into this uh and what did you learn yeah the reason i dive deep into into like how the best podcasts work one is i do like i'm i'm not ashamed to say it i want to be a successful podcaster Same. i really do i really do i mean i i have been but i want to be again you know what you mean the edm prod pod yeah yeah it's yeah doesn't count anymore well it was good. There's a lot to kind of talk about from that experience. Um, so I think I have some potential here. I do not necessarily think I have the potential to be like a number one podcast in the world. That That's not something I'm thinking about. I want it to be a consistent, sustainable thing that I feel great about, that some, there's real listeners who enjoy mm -hmm. it, right? I listen to a lot of podcasts or at least a handful and I always have a hot or a cold response. I'm like, this this podcast host or this person, they've got it. They freaking got it. They've got the X factor. I can listen to them all day long. And then there's podcasts that just fall flat every single time. And I wanted to kind of figure out why, just sort of like what tactically, what are the best of the best doing? I found some interesting ideas doing this. To clarify, I'm not talking about interview pods, like Tim Ferriss doing interviews. Mm. Forget it. That's mm. a whole different thing. And I'm not talking about like scripted produced pods, like a true crime documentary. Sure. Again, yeah. that's a whole, whole different thing. I'm talking about like talk shows, you know? Yeah. Like yeah. one or even a few people shooting the shit about the news or about yeah. politics or a business. Like I'm talking about that kind of thing. So I dug deep. Here are the highlights. Number one most important thing to make a podcast successful from a content standpoint is that you need to be extremely prepared for the content, but no one can know it. You need to be improvising yes. and totally off the cuff, yet you actually have 20 examples, three references, and two tangential ideas in the so can. You're giving, away, you're giving away all the intel. Well, yeah. Well, Have the people intel know like what that we're trying we're prepared to do today. For this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder if anybody can tell we that I, you know, we prepared for this. But um, so that that's that's number one. 
And then the other, like, there's a lot of details I can dig into here, but the just the to next quickly interject yeah, on that, I feel like that's a uh, not to use the term mental model, but that is like a, a game changing mental model just for content in general. Is like make it seem like you're improvising, but actually be prepared. Yeah, like and yeah. So that's hard, right? So that is a little bit like a lot of podcasting or just anything in entertainment. There is an X factor. Like there yeah. are people that are just good at this shit and you don't even know why, like there's some chemistry to it. So you can, I think you can get better at preparing. That's easy. I think you can get better at like speaking and improvising, but I don't think everyone can become the best of the best at something like that. I agree. I also think uh, a lot of people who do podcasts just do not put the time in. Like, <clears throat> I remember when I did the EDM podcast, such a cheesy name. Uh, I was doing hours of research per guest. Yeah. And like, that helped a lot. Have you seen this guy, Danny Miranda? Yeah. On Twitter? He's got yeah, a podcast. I, I can't believe it. I love I his podcast. It. Yeah. I he love his podcast. The, he started his podcast when he was like 12 years old, right? Like, what the hell? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, he he deserves way more listens. He'll get there. But I think he's one of the best interviewers. And I don't listen to many interview podcasts because most of them are just like the same. It's, it's like you listen to one guest and it's like the same thing, same questions. But he like, he goes deep. And I think he spends like 10, 15, 20 hours on research per guest, which is pretty insane. That's interesting. I'm gonna have to check him out. I've never actually listened. I just always assumed that his podcast would suck because it gives off no, like sucky fantastic. vibes. I'll have to check it out. No, it's really good. Yeah. Anyway. So the next thing the pros are doing is inducing curiosity with questions or stories. I think that might be a bit of an obvious one, but they do it so frequently, like over and over and over again. Uh, I think I can give you one. You want, you want to hear an example? I'll just wing this. Yeah, yeah. I can induce your curiosity right now, like a podcaster. Dude, have you ever seen what happens when a mushroom grows beside a mint plant? Have you ever seen this? I've never seen that. No. And I'm totally making that up, right? Yeah, yeah. So, that, that's, so easy curiosity inducer would be like just a big question. And then the next big mm -hmm. one would be a story. And I found that the best podcasters, they literally tell stories like it's preschool. Like literally they're like, Mike came out to the playground and he went down the slide backwards, but then the teacher came out. Like it's, it's yeah. literally that simple. Um, and I guess that, that just hooks in the human brain and just pulls you through. And the other thing that pulls you through a podcast, this one kind of surprised me. I think the best of the best do really abrupt transitions, really abrupt openings. There's no welcome to the, I mean, sometimes there is, but it's not like welcome to the podcast today, Sam and I are talking about. Yeah, dude, I can't right? stand that. It's so I, boring. I, I hate it. I, I hate it on podcast, YouTube. I just, I don't like it. Just jump straight in. And I've noticed by the way, that a lot of the good interview podcasts, they're all doing that now. It's sort of like yeah. they don't even tell the guest that the mics are on. They're just shooting the shit. It's going. And then every once in a while, the guest exactly. is like, are, are we live? Like that's, I just think yeah. that's like so cool. It just pulls the listener in. And then the last thing I came up with is the idea of spinoffs. And I think this is key 
Like simple example is like, okay, you're talking about McDonald's and cheeseburgers. And do you know how many cheeseburgers McDonald's sells every day? I am prepared with a spinoff and the spinoff is, have you ever heard about the company that disposes of cooking oil from restaurant mm, chains? Right. Mm. And I just think having those tangents or spinoffs just in the can, ready to go. The, and you can drop those at any time. Like conversation gets stale, spin off. Uh, mm. We don't know what the next bit is, spin off. So I noticed that the, the, the best guys like really have those in the pocket. I love that. What else about podcasting? Um, what about structure? Let's talk about structure because I think this is an interesting one. Um, I mean, the first... I feel like this episode we're doing now, just to get a little bit meta, like it feels like the first well-structured episode. You yeah, know what I mean? Like basically. the first five, we just had some bullet points. I was like, ah, like back and forth. But I just noticed the difference, just having some structure in place. But what did you learn about structure in I your mean, research? There's basically like short segments and long segments. Um, mm. So I started calling... A lot of what I'm talking about is based on my first million, but I just think yeah. that it extrapolates to like other pods. And I think that I used the word extrapolate correctly. No fucking clue. Um, so there's like short segments and long segments. The short ones I started calling sub tens because they're like eight to 10 minutes. And then the long ones range up to like 20 minutes or more. So I actually, the sub tens are kind of the best ones. It's the most concentrated punch in a short mm -hmm. amount of time. So let me give you some examples of sub 10, like short, like 10 minute podcast segments that, that pop. So one would be a personal story. Oh my God, dude, I was at the gym last week. You won't believe what I saw. Just there you go. Or I went on, I went to the beach and here's what, what I learned. Second are like bullet point lists. So you know how like, I mean, it's, it's kind of old news, but like top 10 lists and top five lists, those are always what are those? winners, <laughs> like top 10 lists in the, <laughs> yeah, like it's kind of the ultimate clickbait. Um, and as far as I know, that shit still works really well. Maybe you would know. I don't know. Uh, I'm sure it does. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that there's like what I call the quick hits, which is, um, you know, here are some inventions that are surprisingly recent. Number one, wheels on suitcases you know that they added wheels to suitcases in the early 70s mm -hmm. dude that is literally mind-blowing and i'm not making that up this is true yeah um, it's insane it's insane so like you would have a 10-minute segment with like 15 of those prepared each guy kind of going back and forth okay yeah uh what else? Uh, uh let me s speed this up so so two more one would be like article or news that's super straightforward like, oh, dude, I saw an interview. I mean, I saw an article in the Atlantic about what happens to your Gmail account after you die. Mm. Super interesting, right? And you just kind of riff on an article or some news. And then the last one, which I love, are like frameworks or just, I don't know if every pod does stuff like this, but like a framework or a mental model, like we talk about. Um, one of my favorite mental examples. Models are bullshit, but. Let's They're bullshit, but, framework. but frameworks are great, right? You like yeah. how I do that? Like, <laughs> There's no difference between them, by the way. Yeah, exactly. But frameworks rule, middle models are lame. Um, an example is Big Mario marketing. Do you know that one? No. Nah. No? So 
in Mario, the Nintendo game, obviously you start out small. And I think when you get a mushroom, right, you become big and you're big Mario. So in marketing, your customer is little Mario. Your prospect is little Mario. Your product is the mushroom. After they buy your product, they become big Mario. Mm. Your marketing needs to be about big Mario, not about the mushroom, not about your product. Your marketing is focused on this is what you will be or the problem that will be solved for you. Yeah, I, I get that. But like, it. why do you need to make an illustration about it? Like, this is just marketing 101, right? Like, that's actually a good question. Sell- I, yeah. I'm obsessed with these illustrations. Sure. That, yeah. I, I I'm just, I've been, I've been a dick. I, no, I know. But, <laughs> but now you got me wondering. Like, for me, when I'm thinking about writing emails or content, I'm just always You're thinking about that. Big Mario. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's I'm just, I'm just always. Yeah, I'm reading something and I'm like, what could I call this? This is this such no, a such in, in all seriousness, I, I think it's like really useful to do that because uh, that's how mental models get embedded in your head. It's not like like if you understand a theory of like, oh, well, you should market to the uh, the future state of that person. It's like, that's not memorable. But what you just said is. That's a good point. Although I got sidetracked by thinking about you getting embedded in my brain. <laughs> when you said that word, I was like, no, no, I don't want you. I don't need any of this embedded in my brain. Go, go, go embed wait, wait this till, Wait till else. you're a link, bro. I'll, I'll hack into it and uh, I'll be in there. Uh, hopefully I'm dead before then. Yeah, same. I don't know. Depends on when it's right. coming. Um, Let, what, I got one more thing about the pods. Yeah, yeah. What do you think the easiest way to get started with a podcast is? Uh, and honestly and let me clarify did you did yeah. you, you want to um you want to make it big like you want to like make a business out of it you know? sure yeah good good question um i'm gonna my thoughts is like for two types of people the first type the person who will like overthink the shit out of it is like just do what we did and start and just yeah. figure it out as you go because you're going to suck anyway for the first 10 20 30 40 50 episodes um, but if you've like got some background in content and you want to make it big, my guess, figure out a flywheel, like a growth flywheel as quickly as possible. Yeah. Which and that's really is, hard with audio. Yes, it is. And it's like, oh yeah, good advice. Just like figure out a growth flywheel. Thanks, Sam. But how? <laughs> That's what my thought was. And I think this is where like growth can really come a little bit easier is if I was just starting a podcast to become a successful podcaster, I think I would focus really deeply on some very specific topic. And I mm-hmm. think I would focus on more of like a scripted type thing, like research heavy, like example would be like yeah. hardcore history. You know that pod? Yeah. Yeah. Homeboy just researches some historical topic for two months and then explains it for four hours. Now he's a history teacher, right? So he's like good at that. But um, some other examples I saw recently um, are like the Bible. There's like a bunch of podcasts Mm -hmm. where it's like, it's just some dude explaining parts of the Bible. Easy win. Yeah. Or skateboarding, right? Like it's just some niche, pick some niche. The history of skateboarding. 
I'm literally making this up. That could be an epically or I would like pretty successful podcast. Yeah. And it would take you, you know, six months, plan it, mm. write it, script it, you know, put together like a 10 episode sequence. And then you just freaking promote it to people who like skateboarding. Like, mm. so that's how to the, take over. When I think about, podcast. when I think about that, like doing a, doing like a topical podcast, that's like, you just do it and then it's done. I'm like, man, just put in twice the effort and do it on YouTube first. I feel like there's way more, mm. just way more growth potential there. Like if I was going to do a history of skateboarding, I would engage an editor, um, you know, maybe motion graphics and like do it documentary style on YouTube. I just feel like podcasts are so hard to scale and grow, like you mentioned. And the idea of just doing audio only and putting hours and hours of research into something, it's like, it just feels like not a waste, but you cap your potential. I completely agree. Like I wouldn't advise anyone who's interested in content creation to start with or to focus on a podcast. I think it's um, the worst. Yeah, I think it's the worst type of content to start with. Growth is impossible. Analytics is impossible. It takes yeah. ages and ages to differentiate. And like, for example, so I've done some content stuff in the past. Like I started a TikTok thing called Daily D to C, like Daily Direct Consumer. Mm. And I would do like one Shopify tip a day. Like, here's the best Shopify app for this. Uh, here's the best way to test a call to action. Just basic e-commerce marketing stuff. And relatively speaking, like literally started with zero. Like just mm. started the account on day one. It fucking blew up, dude. I mean, thousands and thousands of views, comments, follows, DMs. Mm. And this took place within like 10 days. And it was something that yeah. was real easy for me to do. And of course I quit, you know, like. But you're, you're benefiting, I guess to like boil this down into a simple statement. It's like, if you're trying to be a content creator, you want to leverage the algorithms that exist. Mm -hmm. And with podcasting, it just isn't really an algorithm. There's, like, there's just not like sure Spotify. Yeah. Recommended podcast episodes. Like, no, yeah. there isn't one. And that's exactly why when I think about growing this podcast or any podcast, my first thought is Twitter. Yep. My second thought is like email newsletter. Both of those are a little bit easier to grow. And then my third thought is podcast advertising because I know for a fact and I've seen it work. Like I've, I, I know I have friends where it's worked. I don't think you're going to build your entire podcast that way. But there's a lot of like smaller podcasts with a like-minded audience, people who like entrepreneurship or business or finance or whatever it is. And for not that much money, like maybe like a few hundred dollars sometimes, you can get like an ad like, hey, we recommend this new podcast, Outliers. And I think the conversion on that is not horrible. No, I can't imagine it would be. I'm pretty sure I've like found podcasts via ads and go and listen to them. Yeah. And if I was starting a podcast, I would um, try to diversify my revenue streams like as quickly as possible. Because mm. actually having advertising revenue on a podcast become like a main thing for you or for a business is like, it's such a long shot. Yeah, man. We should, so uh, we should really diversify our revenue from outliers. 
Yeah. <laughs> Diversify from zero, dog. Not making a penny off this Isn't shit. Isn't that how you create like a black hole when you when you divide by zero? Like that's you can't do that. Like, that's where black holes come from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we better not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't want right. to talk about um, this anymore. Let's yeah. <laughs> I'm let's wrap I'm it. super curious. You yeah. want to wrap you, it? You don't you, want to go into curious? sub 10? No, no, no. Let's let's wrap it now. Um because right. I I'll leave a teaser here. Because okay. I think I think the title alone speaks volumes. I actually think this could be a, a segment, not a sub 10. Because I want to, yeah, actually, I want to add to it. You're going to add to I wanna, it. Yeah, I want to add to All it. All right, so I'm just going to tease yeah. it. The idea is called The Curse of Knowledge. And here's the insight that I found. One of, if not the greatest hurdles to improving isn't being bad. It's knowing how bad you are. Ergo, the problem is the knowledge, not the lack of skills. Okay. So mm -hmm. I dug into the skills versus knowledge gap thing. And it's, it's actually really interesting. Next time on uh, Outliers. <laughs> yeah, man. All right, bro. Talk soon. Cheers.